So good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you all today. And today is the first Sunday in Lent. It's about so much more than giving up chocolate. Our Lent series is titled The Way of the Cross. And we'll look at some key stages in that journey of Jesus. We begin in the key stage of wilderness, the heart of today's story. But let's pray first, and I'm going to pray using the words of a song that we didn't quite have time to sing today. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. Let our hearts be changed. Lord, unveil our eyes to see you face to face. Lord, renew our minds as your will unfolds in our lives. Bring us near, draw us to your side. And as we wait, we'll rise up like the eagle and we will soar with you as your spirit leads us on. Amen. So Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness, fasting, praying, and being tempted. This is the main inspiration for Lent, but there are plenty of other biblical 40s, such as 40 days of rain, causing the original flood of biblical proportions, survived by Noah and his shipmates on the ark which God ended with the rainbow, his his covenant to never again flood the whole earth. Forty years of the Israelites wandering in wilderness before God brought them to promised land. Forty days and nights of a depressed Elijah in the wilderness. He didn't encounter God in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but in God's still small voice leading him out of the wilderness. Wilderness will be at the heart of today's message, including our own wilderness times. And we'll look at Jesus' examples of preparing for wilderness, living well in wilderness, and after the wilderness. But first, what is wilderness for us? My husband's job used to take him all over the world, and occasionally I went with him. A very memorable trip was to Jordan, a fascinating place. Dave's clients looked after us well and organized a trip to Wadi Rum in the far south. We had a driver for the long trip, mostly on roads through barren wilderness. We had no idea what to expect. Nearing Wadi Rum, our driver suddenly pulled into a lay-by behind a well-worn 4x4 Toyota where we were greeted by a larger-than-life character who looked more like a bandit than any sort of tour guide. The bandit told us to get into his 4x4 and immediately hurtled off the highway and into the desert, up and down sand dunes at breakneck speed. The jolly bandit clearly found great amusement in terrifying tourists. A mile or two into the wilderness, he stopped the 4x4 told us to get out and take off our shoes so we could walk on the sand and fully experience the desert. Then he drove off. It was actually a really memorable thing to do, alone in the wilderness with only the sound of the wind. Sand, rocky cliffs and blue sky, all we could see. Despite the heat, the sand was surprisingly cool and nice to walk on. We were quite relieved when the bandit reappeared, 
and he took us on a wonderful trip. A fascinating sight with the ancient rock carvings which illustrate 12,000 years of human activity in a place traveled by countless others. Some theories even suggest that Moses traveled this way with the, well, with the Israelites on their 40-year journey to the Promised Land. It's completely unproven, but it was easy to imagine ancient peoples traveling through wilderness in large numbers. I loved glimpsing the sort of environment they may have dealt with. Another fascination was that even in barren wilderness, there were yet signs of life when we looked hard enough. A tree, beetles, tiny flowers. The wilderness of Jesus' 40 days and nights was much further north near Jericho and more mountainous, but I'm sure it still had tiny signs of life. My brief experience of wilderness in Jordan had an enduring impact. I became fascinated with wilderness as a setting for many Bible stories and also for the stories of my own life. A remarkably fertile place for God to reveal himself, do miracles, and grow faith. Physical wilderness, according to the dictionary, is an area of land that has not been used to grow crops or had towns and roads built upon it, especially because it is difficult to live in due to extremely cold or hot weather or bad earth. So that rather discounts Claygate. Except there is wilderness in Claygate and amongst us here today, such as spiritual wilderness, feeling far from God, financial wilderness, struggling to pay the bills, Wilderness of waiting for God to answer our prayers. Or waiting through poor health. Wilderness of broken relationships or loneliness. Didn't COVID lockdowns feel like a wilderness? What wilderness might you be in today? From today's reading, I was struck by how Jesus prepared for wilderness. He made baptism a priority before starting his ministry. Three years later, amongst his final words, he said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. In Acts, Peter says in his first sermon, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So what's your response to those words? This was mine. Like many of you, I was christened as a baby. 53 years later, I decided to reaffirm my baptism by full immersion. A close family member came to watch. They heard the sermon about the lost sheep, gave their life to Jesus, and was baptized later that same day. Literally, as Jesus came out of the baptismal water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. As Christians, the Holy Spirit has already come upon you and dwells within you. 
But just as you can be baptized, so too you can pray for more of the Holy Spirit as often as you want. Jesus didn't begin his ministry and journey to the cross without the essentials of baptism and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus then heard the voice of his father declaring who he was. You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. What do you think God would say about who you are? Suppose God said to you, you are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Would you feel uncomfortable, unworthy, unbelieving? Or would you feel full of wonder and worship? You are my child. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's from John 1. Whom I love. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5. With you, I am well pleased. God created mankind in his own image. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. That's Genesis 1. God's pleasure in you is based simply on the fact that he created you. Take some time to discover from the Bible what God says about who you are and live in the light of that truth. So Jesus has been baptized, the Spirit has descended upon him, and he knows who he is in God's sight. But 40 days of wilderness came next, before ministry. And throughout his ministry, Jesus prioritized wilderness times alone with his Father. We might find ourselves in wilderness times through circumstances beyond our control, or we might choose a time of wilderness to seek God more closely. Like a retreat or a sabbatical or a quiet day or 40 days of prayer and fasting in Lent. A wilderness of solitude, of silence, of peace, of stillness, of doing nothing can be a wonderful oasis, a spacious place for creativity Ideas, thinking, Bible reading. God will speak into that space and make himself known to you. How then can we live well in wilderness times? Really make the most of them. Living well in wilderness does involve dealing with temptation. Matthew and Luke's Gospels give us more detail about how Jesus did this. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Scripture is a powerful tool. From Ephesians we read, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Jesus 
was armed with scripture to quote against temptation. Could you be ready and armed with perhaps three short verses learned by heart so you could declare in the face of temptation, it is written. One of mine, when I'm tempted to lose hope, is it is written, God is able to do immeasurably more than all I ask or imagine. A common temptation in wilderness is to resort to complaining. The Israelites spent their 40 years of wilderness complaining at Moses and at God. How might we waste the opportunity of a wilderness time? Spend it complaining. Living well in wilderness involves waiting. I doubt it's your favorite thing either. How long will I be in this wilderness? What's the point? Can't God just get a move on? But it's more fruitful to see it as a special season. Advent is a good example of waiting fruitfully. My granddaughters find the waiting season of Advent even more exciting than Christmas Day itself. Elf on the Shelf is a fairly new tradition where a toy elf appears on a shelf in homes at the beginning of Advent. Each night, the parents move the elf to a new place for the children to discover next morning. Parents get creative with finding fun places and activities for the family elf, like sleeping in a box of tissues, coloring, drinking coffee with a straw, or eating popcorn on the sofa with the TV remote. When she arrived for lunch on Christmas Eve, our little Millie, aged four, looked all around my house and she said, Granny, where is your elf? I didn't even have an elf, just a tree with parcels for Christmas. I hadn't relished the waiting with an uplifting activity each day. So how might we make, wait, make, wait more fruitfully? Practice standing on the promises of God. Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Practice being open to change, like the Lord said, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Practice persisting in prayer, like Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Practice an uplifting activity each day. Probably not Elf on the Shelf, but maybe a daily devotional, such as Lectio 365, which this Lent is focusing on how God meets us in the wilderness. It includes profound words such as these, which I read a day or so ago. If I lean into the waiting rather than flee from it, I find it has a way of preparing me for what is to be. My hurt and shame are revealed and healed in the absence of noise and distraction. 
I find there is nowhere that God isn't present. God works deeply in the hearts of those who journey through the wilderness, revealing himself in profound and mysterious ways. Living in wilderness involves yielding. James 4 tells us, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I spent a decade in a wilderness of waiting for God to answer my prayers. It came to a dramatic conclusion, completely out of the blue. What triggered this? I can only suggest it was my yielding to God. I stood on a beach one day looking out to sea, finally declaring my utter helplessness, even yielding the sense that it was down to me to pray enough prayers to get the answer. I laid it down. Nothing I did would bring that wilderness to an end. Only God. Within half an hour, my phone unexpectedly rang. And that phone call finished my wilderness and answered my prayers. Someone I love dearly is in a wilderness. It's been a long time. They are walking their wilderness without God. And I'm increasingly convinced that they will remain in that wilderness until they yield to God. I was going to say that we reach rock bottom when all we have left to pray is, your will be done. Then I realized that's not rock bottom at all. It's a yielding, which is actually the pinnacle of prayer. Wilderness strips us bare to a place where there is only God, and that is good. So many Psalms were written in wilderness and help us express our yielding and dependence on God. Like Psalm 62, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. Living well in wilderness involves faith growing. Only very special things grow in wilderness, and faith is one of the best. The foundations of faith become stronger and deeper in wilderness. The building blocks of faith are hewn in wilderness and built upon the foundations. They are secure to stand on when faith is clinging to the edge. How does that happen? By us remembering all that God is, saviour, creator, friend. By us recalling the miracles that God has done in our lives. By us stepping out of our comfort zone and seeing how that builds faith, like me standing here today. <laughs> By thankfulness for God's generous provision, guidance and love. Our small group began 2024 by sharing things we were thankful for in 2023. 
everyone in our group is in some form of wilderness. We dug deep to share a good thing, a ray of sunshine. Unspoken, though not denied, were the shadows, the rainy grayness. We listened to the hymn, which we're going to sing in a minute. O love that wilt not let me go. And the line which says, I trace the rainbow through the rain, became a reality. Sharing our thankfulness from within wilderness was a special example of tracing the rainbow through the rain. Faith grew among us. Faith for the next impossible thing I'm praying for. After wilderness, Jesus went straight into sharing good news, knowing he was traveling the way of the cross where he would declare, it is finished. Jesus did everything to make eternal life a possibility for us. The ultimate promised land after wilderness. I'm just going to say that again, eternal life the ultimate promised land after wilderness. The church season of Lent ends with the death of Jesus. We know that wasn't the end at all. And the good news of resurrection, salvation, and eternal life is ours to share. And a great way of sharing that good news is through our own stories of wilderness. Dave and I came out of Wadi Ram with no idea how much cash the jolly bandit expected for our four-by-four trip and the meals and the overnight camp. There were no cash machines or card readers in the wilderness, and we were a little concerned, especially since the bandit carried a large gun. The cost was revealed, and Dave had just enough Jordanian dinars in his pocket. God provides enough in the wilderness are the miracles of what God does in wilderness. I reckon there just are more miracles in wilderness. And if we're careful to see them, they are the stories we can tell. And I reckon they're more powerful than stories of promised land. I finish with words of encouragement from Isaiah the prophet. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Amen.